chapter nineteen of the house of mystery by richard marsh this librivox recording is in the public domain confession the earl of staines sat up in bed propped at the back by pillows though he scarcely seemed to need them his naturally sallow complexion had taken to itself a sicklier hue his features always defined with sufficient clearness now stood out more sharply than ever his cheeks seemed to have fallen in his whole face looked wasted and worn as if he on a sudden had grown old yet one felt as one observed the undeniable change which since his accident had already taken place in his appearance that it was probably owing more to mental causes than to physical there was that in the lines which marked his forehead and in the crow's feet which nestled in the deep hollows about his eyes which told of mind troubles stress and strain of unwelcome thoughts which would not be denied at his bedside was his grandmother her chair drawn up so close to him that sitting as she did with her head thrown forward their faces were within a foot of one another despite the difference of years the likeness between them was distinct in particular his eyes had that almost fantastic quality of penetrative vision which was characteristic of hers near the dowager was his mother with whom he seemed to have no feature in common either mental or physical she with her square impassive wooden countenance big dim owl-like eyes he with the clear-cut physiognomy of a transcendentalist and dreamer and eyes of mystery which especially at that moment seemed to be looking through time into eternity in the background hovered mrs singleton fidgety anxious full of trouble as if continually watching for something which she feared yet knew must come about the room were the abundant evidences of feminine occupation the thousand and one knick-knacks of the young lady of fashion the multitudinous adjuncts of the toilet which are rather playthings than essentials the reason for whose existence is a source of perpetual mystification to the average man the earl had just been saying something with an air which was intended to mean that that was his final decision something which the dowager found not unfamiliar yet which she half resented she eyed him in silence after he had finished as if she was trying to read in his face a meaning which was behind his words is that your final decision it is and you won't marry her i will not you're going to throw her over if you like to put it in that way and you're going to break the vow which you have vowed in the presence of a couple of hundred people stultify yourself and me and call down on your head the curse of god which you yourself have challenged as to the latter not at all 
that is only to fall on me if i take to myself another wife which i shall not do i shall remain unmarried and leave everything easy for reginald he was silent from the expression of his face one might judge that that consideration had no weight with him whatever and may i venture to ask why you have come to this decision which is in direct opposition to that other decision at which you arrived only a few hours since as i supposed finally i do not propose my dear grandmother to weary you with details but would merely observe that having reconsidered the position i perceive that marriage would bring satisfaction to neither of us so there's the end so she did stab you the old woman's quietly uttered words struck home it was probable that he had endeavoured to school his countenance to show no trace of whatever storm might rage within but the quick thrust had taken him unawares it had found a weak point he winced i'm not feeling very well you're not looking very well he was not his eyes closed as if they had all at once grown tired the furrows on his brow deepened he tightened his lips he looked like a man who was enduring an acute attack of sudden pain even his voice had changed the cold self-possession with which he had been speaking seemed to have passed away i'm afraid i'm hardly fit to enter into disputatious matters i sent for you somewhat against the doctor's wishes because i was conscious of having arrived at a determination which i felt it my duty to communicate to you at the earliest possible moment now that i have done so i am afraid that i must beg you to excuse me i begin to realize that the doctors were more in the right than i supposed why did she stab you stains again the lips twitched the eyes still closed then after a moment the dark orbs opened something saturnine seeming to be shining out of their depths pray on what grounds have you concluded that she did anything of the kind has she told you not she on the contrary she has sworn by all her gods she didn't his eyes reclosed when he opened them again it was to say in even measured tones as if he was considering the meaning of each word as it passed his lips since she has already made to you a statement it only remains for me to endorse it you fool stains you're an idiot he only smiled you may laugh but if you'd a grain of sense you'd wait for your laughter till you win i will say this for her that she lies like truth with a thousand times better air than you there's that in the business i don't understand though you needn't trouble yourselves to cover it over with lies because i don't want to understand i'd as lief not 
but you don't suppose that i'm going to have my life purpose put aside because you two have already begun to scratch each other don't think it all these years you've been willing to marry her do you imagine that at the eleventh hour i'll suffer you to kick i've too good a grip of the reins my lad and the whip's too close to my hand as for maud dorincourt she's boggled at the business i'll allow but now she's been screwed up to the sticking point or she's screwed herself she said she will marry you and she shall she has never said so never madeline was the speaker she stood at the foot of the bed appearing there all in an instant as it seemed out of space they knew not whence nor how she was still all glowing with the haste of her flight from lazarus hot from her interview with bianchi tingling with shame at the thought of the injustice with which she had treated maud her whole being was agitated by varying emotions which raising her out of herself caused her to be unconscious of all else but her eager desire to free her soul from the burden which weighed it down never had her beauty appeared to more advantage her cheeks glowed her eyes flashed every movement of her limbs or body was an added grace while amazed taken by surprise they looked at her askance she went on in a voice clear as a bell you are under an entire misapprehension completely and entirely mistaken in supposing that miss dorincourt ever contemplated even for an instant the possibility of giving such a promise she has done nothing of the kind on the contrary she has never wavered in her determination not to marry the earl or in her resolution not to hold out the faintest hope of her ever being able to do so she has been afraid that you would put unfair pressure upon her of a kind which she might find it hard to submit to but though you used her never so cruelly i am persuaded that she would rather die than yield my lord rest assured that maud dorincourt has never promised to marry you and that she never will she flung out her arms as she uttered these final words as if they had been some sort of missile which she was hurling at his head the earl oblivious of the pillows which were supposed to act as a prop to his back was leaning forward staring at her across the length of the bed the dowager genuinely surprised for once in her life had screwed her ancient head round between her hunched-up shoulders and glared at her with astonished eyes is the girl stark mad or does she imagine we are i've been stark mad but at last i have returned to my sober senses that is all the earl interposed but surely i misunderstand you surely you promised you you would marry me i promised you yes my lord to my shame be it said to your shame why to your shame you you pretended that you loved me it was not pretence my lord no it was not that again to my shame be it spoken who am i that i should make you such a promise i a worthless deceitful creature without rank and fortune scarcely in the world's judgment a fit mate for one of your serving men mrs singleton came bustling forward all tremulous anxiety touching her timorously on the arm my dear think before you speak don't be over hasty do be careful what you say madeline turned towards her austerely like an offended queen mrs singleton shrinking before the reproach which her bearing conveyed i will not be over hasty i thank you mrs singleton and i will be careful for the first time since i have had the pleasure of making your acquaintance these are matters on which you yourself had better take advice 
had you not been over hasty for much more careful things would not have been done the shame of which nothing which you can do during the brief remainder of your life will erase she gave the old woman a glance before which that worthy coward as if she had been made conscious as by a flash of lightning of the unseemly part which she had played madeline turning from her walked along the side of the bed towards the earl look at me my lord something in her demeanour seemed to tickle the gentleman she addressed though his mood was certainly not disposed to humour i am looking look at me closely i am afraid if i am to look at you closer you will have to lean towards me i cannot come nearer to you being forbidden by the faculty is it possible you cannot see i am a stranger a stranger maud you are star-gazing in your judgment is the woman whom a man has known and loved from his childhood still to him a stranger my lord it is not i whom you have loved but i know better i know that it is not only you whom i have loved but that i love you more than ever i did that while formerly my affection was of the platonic sort of late on a sudden it has burst into a white-hot flame so that at the sight of you i burn with a desire to take you in my arms and fold you to my breast my lord my lord trembling she covered her face with her hands my darling do not cry nor let yourself be troubled for all that has happened the fault is mine in the first flush of my new and strange love i had forgotten that you need not have changed because i had something in your words and manner and and even in your looks my dear i was so foolish as to misconstrue and that was how the mischief has been done but now that i perceive the crassness of my stupidity do not think so badly of me as to suppose that i will allow an iota of my fault to rest on you that would be to judge me even more harshly than i deserve my lord my lord it is not i whom you have loved removing her hands from before her face holding them out in front of her the girl looked at him with streaming eyes he met her glances unwaveringly with in his own eyes something of that ecstasy of pain which is akin to rapture that may be so since you assert it and after all it is of little consequence for certainly you are she whom i love now she started back her cheeks all red you are mistaken it is hardly a point on which a man is likely to be mistaken it would be better perhaps for both of us if it were otherwise then my every pulse would not be throbbing with the anguish of my desire to hold you in my arms is it possible that one face and form can be so like another that even with the eyes of which you speak you cannot tell the two apart what do you mean is it possible that even now you cannot see that i am not maud dorincourt not maud dorincourt can you not see that i am not the earl half rose in bed his face was agitated by varying emotions first bewilderment surprise then something which transfigured it so utterly that all in an instant the look of pain and stress and worry was lifted clean off it as if it had been a mask and at once he seemed and was twice the man that he had been before he sank back to his former position with a long gasping breath as if dismissing from his breast all the humours which oppressed him what a triple-plated idiot i am of course you are not maud that's the puzzle which all the times perplexed me what a purblind bat i've been come closer let me look at you can you not see me where i am come closer she went a little closer closer still she obeyed give me your hands my lord give me your hands she did as he bade her yielding her hands affrightedly as if she dare not disobey he held them in both of his reading her face as if he loved to feast on it no you are not maud you are the woman whom i love 
my lord her voice was so low that it was not easy to catch her words you are the woman who loves me this time she was silent her head sank down drawing her to him he put his arms about her no thank god you are not maud he kissed her on the lips and she was still lady hildegard striding round the bed gripped the girl by the shoulder staines let her go i wish to speak to her her peculiarly strident tone suggested that her mental equilibrium was not in any way disturbed the earl scarcely glanced at his mother he spoke to the girl it is i who have a right to call you to account and i alone i am not altogether the weak being i have seemed to you do not be afraid he loosed her she stood up i am not afraid she did not look as if she were she met the oddly built great lady's stony glare as if at any rate in that she saw nothing to fear so you are an impostor reginald was right his eyes are keener than mine yes his eyes are keener than yours who are you i am madeline orme madeline the earl held out his hand to her that is a better name than maud come with me my girl it is time that you and i should understand each other lady hildegard gripped her left arm but the earl tightening his hold of her other hand held her fast you are right mother it is time that you should understand each other but if you have no objection you will understand each other in my presence i would rather my dear staines don't be a greater idiot than you have been already i trust my dear mother that in all things i shall always be your son let her go why are you holding her hand because god willing and the lady i hope to keep hold of it for ever you must be stark mad don't you understand that the creature's a bare-faced impostor that she's been guilty of playing a part which would be possible to none but the very lowest type of woman for all you know she may be the very scum of the earth and probably she is my dear mother you know not of what you speak and you you rave how much further will you let her go with you will you wait till she has killed you quite already she has laid you there that is not so the speaker this time is madeline lady hildegard looked at her woodenly then addressed her son you hear the statement added to all the rest ought to show you the kind of character she is you know it is a lie madeline went on before the earl could speak my lord it is no lie something unfortunately for me the greater part of what your mother says is true but in attributing to me this particular crime she errs i have been weak and therefore wicked because i am beginning to believe that weakness and wickedness go hand in hand it is certain that in my case it has been so i belong to a different caste from yours i am an inhabitant of another world i have worked hard to earn my daily bread since i was a little child to you it may sound strange almost like a fairy tale but it is a simple fact that as your world understands the term you are the first gentleman i have ever spoken to and this is the first time i have ever pretended to equality in the presence of a lady i am a daughter of the people lowly born and lowly bred and never have i known what it was to be the possessor of a superfluous penny these things are true but though a bare-faced impostor as your mother puts it plainly and maybe one of the scum of the earth i have not joined to my other offences attempted murder i did not stab you no my lord there your mother errs it was not i the earl kept his eyes fixed upon the girl's face while she had been speaking now he turned to lady hildegard may i ask you my dear mother to leave me for a little while with madeline it is she and i who must understand each other and that without any further loss of time alone together her ladyship objected i shall do nothing of the sort the girl would twist you round her finger she's brazen-faced enough seeing the kind of man you are to try to persuade you into making her your wife i wish she would try i'd like to have to bear the brunt of such persuasion 
the earl smiled but the girl was crimson she tried to withdraw her fingers from his detaining grasp and failed perhaps because she did not assert herself with sufficient resolution the lady he had regarded was calm but scornful stuff stained you are a fool you'd let the hussy cheat you into discrediting the evidence of your own senses come my girl let me see how you'll back up the lie you've told if it was not you who used that knife with such effect who was it then maud dorincourt the answer occasioned general surprise the dowager showed least since madeline's declaration of her identity she had remained twisted half round on her chair watching her with an attention which never wavered and a stolidity which betrayed nothing of what was passing through her mind now that she was surprised she showed by a quick movement of her ancient head but that was all lady hildegarde was outwardly but little more demonstrative loosing her grip of madeline's arm she clenched her fists seeming for a second as if she were about to repel the girl's assertion with actual violence but there she stopped it was the earl and mrs singleton who made an effort to conceal the surprise they felt the man's sallow cheek grew paler the trace of colour which had been in them fled his jaw became square and set his whole expression hard and rigid his eyes gleamed he looked like one on whose nerves there had been a sudden strain which had strung them to their utmost tension mrs singleton on the other hand was all in a flustered rage so much so indeed as to become inarticulate with passion rushing at madeline she shook her fist at her in speechless fury presently however she recovered sufficient self-control to enable her to burst into a torrent of execrations you wicked girl you shameless creature you lying wretch to dare to utter such a falsehood i wonder you are not afraid that god will strike you dead that you should venture to try to pass the burden of your own wicked sin on to miss maud when you know that the poor darling is far far away from here dead buried for all that any one can tell she is not dead or buried how do you know because not many minutes ago i was speaking to her you were speaking to her you yes i she has been hiding from you all the time beneath this roof hiding from me from me from all of you you have driven her to it between you you have treated her not as if she were a creature of flesh and blood into whose veins god has breathed life to use it as her own but as if she were a thing of clay which you might fashion into what shape you choose you have refused to admit that she has a right to order her own existence just as much as you have a right to order yours and that since she and she alone is responsible to her maker for what she does with it you are not entitled to twist it this way and that and to trammel it with conditions which her very soul abhors and so she has hidden herself away from you since only in concealment she can obtain even a taste of that liberty for which her whole being aches and longs but how do you know all this where is she hidden her hiding-place is not very far from where you stand and from her own lips i know it i had only been in the house a little while when she came to me and made of me her confidant imploring me so long as i was able to continue to take her place and to allow her to remain at peace had she not done so i should not have stayed being almost as conscious as lady hildegarde that my position into which as mrs singleton is aware i have been drawn against my will was hardly one which a woman of the higher type would care to fill but when she entreated me i yielded wherein i was weak and maybe wicked and for my weakness and wickedness i have suffered and am like to suffer more there was silence all eyes were fixed upon her each seemed conscious of appearing at a disadvantage of a feeling as if though it ought to have been the other way about she was the judge and they the judged the dowager gave voice to what was possibly the common sentiment never once throughout the scene had her hawk-like eyes strayed from the study of the girl's rapt countenance 
at least young woman you do not want the courage of your convictions did you ever before a baggage carry off what is something more than a piece of brazen impudence with such an air my courage is not often lacking though it sometimes is was it what you call lacking when you stood up before all that crowd of people pretending to be my grandchild allowing me to use you as if you were and promised yourself as wife to the earl of staines i was not afraid and since you ask me i am not sure i'd not like to go through it all again to-morrow upon my honour and promise yourself to another earl i take it ma'am no to the same one if it please your ladyship you're over scrupulous it's out of character surely you're of the sort of woman to whom a man's a man and so long as tis a man tis all you want your ladyship is pleased to jest and you are you pleased to be in earnest do you propose to hold him to the troth which he has plighted and threaten breach of promise if he should chance to fall away your ladyship understands me very ill if you suppose it i know as well as you that i am not fitted for his wife and promise not only that i will never let him marry me but that when i go away from here which will be in a minute now he shall not see my face again the earl struck in be careful what you say miss orme make no rash promises i shall have a word to say on that you will have no word to say my lord and when you give it your consideration you will see on this point at any rate that i am right my lordship will see nothing of the kind so let's have no more misunderstanding there on the earl's face there was a smile which suggested that in this matter he was prepared to join issue and which seemed to irritate his mother the lady hildegard favoured madeline with some further excerpts from her stock of plain english well my girl you've treated us to some tall talk and to some sounding speeches and played your part of impudent impostor right out to the end forgetting all the time that i have but to send for the police to have you lodged in jail to lie there perhaps until you rot and die for the crime of attempted murder as i have told you already you are under a misapprehension if you were to send for the police as you threaten it would not be me whom they would lodge in jail not you you pass mistress of all insolence who then i am afraid lady hildegard that they would have to arrest maud dorincourt as she spoke the door opened to admit reginald fanshawe and his friend mr champnell End of chapter nineteen